two weeks ago, I was preparing to go have lunch with a sweet lady. She's going through a really rough time, and I really felt the Lord lead me to some scriptures for her. And I was typing them up on a paper, and I was praying over them, and the Lord spoke to my spirit. He said, prepare as the soldier prepares for battle. And I sat there silently. I don't know how long, but I sat for a while. Because I knew that our family, my family, my church family, my CWC church family, our staff, we've been under attack. Not for a short while, but a while. And I knew that when he spoke, he wanted me to bring the word to you guys. And as I sat there, I was immediately reminded of a dream that Jana Palos had at the end of January. And that dream was really personal to me because during that time, my daughter was battling for her life. Jana called me at the hospital. I was sitting beside Kinsey's bed, and I had, was praying over her, and I was playing those two songs over and over and over her again. And she was weeping and crying so hard, I was having to ask her to repeat herself at some point because it was just so heavy on her, and I was crying. And, you know, if you've ever seen the commercial, two girls crying, and they can still communicate, and we were doing that. And so I sat there listening to this dream that she had, praying over my daughter, believing that I didn't know what the outcome was going to be, but I knew that it was going to be victorious. And Jana shared this with me, so I asked her if I could have permission to share it with you guys. And she was so kind to write this down for me. I'm going to read it to her as she scripted it. She said, I could not sleep. I tossed, turned, and heard the faint noise of battle. I heard the rumbling, the groaning, and the crashing of what a ground battle might sound like. When I opened my eyes, unsure of what I was hearing, I distinctly heard, you're under attack. I tried to go back to sleep. I heard battle sounds. And then she saw our praise team, this group of people up here, Linda Chapman. She saw them, and she heard They're under attack. Then as she continued to dream, she was walking through her church, and she heard, press on and fight. The battle is on, and it's not time to stop. Push through. Be strong. You are under attack. And then she heard him distinctly say, make a battle cry. She closed her script by saying this dream uh, made her feel that this was totally about her church family and the church staff at this church. Now we're going to fast forward a little bit of time. And on Sunday, March the 21st, Rob Glass stood right here and he gave a word that the Lord had given him. He said God was bringing a refreshing so we could battle. That word, I was standing right there, brought me so, so much comfort I started crying. But I knew that it was a confirmation of what the Lord was speaking to me. This subject is heavy. 
but I don't bring it in fear. I want us to know what the word says, and I want us to be encouraged, and I want us to not be distracted by the schemes of the enemy. So if you'll turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. <clears throat> For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. This morning, I have three questions about battle. What battle? What are the important details of the battle? And how do we battle? So I want to start off with talking about what battle. If you are a born-again believer, you're in spiritual conflict. And if you didn't realize that, that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be. He wants you to be unaware of this conflict. He doesn't want you to understand his attacks and his schemes. I want you to remember when Satan was kicked out of heaven, he took one-third of the angels with him. But that's not something that you need to be alarmed with. The fact that you need to be aware of is two-thirds of the angels are still in heaven, worshiping and serving our Lord. So don't be scared by that one-third that are with the enemy. Just be aware of them. The Bible shows us who the enemy is and how he operates. We must know his schemes and understand his battle tactics and know the weaknesses and strengths that he has. We must know what he looks like and how he disguises himself. What are the characteristics of Satan? Well, he's a liar. He twists all truth. Number two, he's a deceiver. <clears throat> he will seek to bring confusion and lead many astray. He is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Number three, he's a thief. He only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's an accuser. His voice condemns and accuses. And he brings you shame and fear. He's our adversary. He prowls around, roaring like a lion, trying to scare you, seeking to devour. He disguises himself as the angel of light. He is deceptively cunning and can make himself appear beautiful and alluring. Number seven, he's the tempter. He will do anything he can to allure you away from the truth and away from God. Number eight, he is the prince of demons. Number nine, he's a schemer. He's crafty and he's evil. And number ten, he is one who hinders and he is a stumbling block. 
Now, I need you to be aware at the times that he will most likely attack. When you're already down, he likes to kick you when you're down. When you don't expect it. When you get all in your human self and you think you can handle it yourself. Here's one. When you're making a difference for God's purpose. He wants you to believe the lies about him, about God, about herself. He wants you to believe the untruths. He's very, very strategic. The enemy attacks are always wrapped up in a package of deception. And they're always designed to manipulate the truth about God and about your value to him. He doesn't create. He only takes the created and manipulates it. He desires to lead you into sin so that your fellowship is broken between God. Because he knows if he disconnects that, he's disconnected you from power and strength. Understanding our enemy will make us victorious. I don't want you to get hung up in that. We don't want to give him any glory. But we just have to understand him and who he is. Now, we talked about what battle. You're aware now. You can't say I didn't know. Now let's talk about what are important details of the battle. Well, first of all, more than that other stuff that we just learned... We need to learn who our fearless leader is. The Lord is leading and guiding his children. And you need to wrap your mind around the leader that is leading us in his characteristics. Understanding who he is and that he never changes will always allow you to be successful. Let's talk about who God is. He's infinite. Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. How about God never changes? He is the same today and forever. He is powerful. God is able to do everything he desires to do. When he plans something, there's no turning back. If he plans it, it will be. If he purposes it, it will happen. Nothing can prevent the plan of God. When his hand is outstretched, there is nothing or no one that can send it back. He's all-knowing. Because God is all-knowing, we can trust that he knows everything that we're going through today. Everything that we're going to go through tomorrow. When we meditate on his truth, it makes it easier for us to trust him with everything that we have going on in our lives. From the serious things to the silly things, and we all know that God has a sense of humor. To the mundane things that we think, why am I doing this? He is all-knowing. He is always Everywhere. 
I love this scripture in Psalms 139. This is in uh, 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take it on the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. What peace is that? He is wise. The fact that God can never be wiser allows us to understand that he has the wisest things for our lives. No plan that we could ever make up would be a better plan than, he, than what he already has for us. We may not understand his ways today, but we can trust because God is infinitely wise. He is truly working all things out, all things, for the best possible way in our life. He's faithful. The fact that God is faithful means that he will never forget anything. Oh, man, I forgot to do that today. That doesn't happen on God's calendar. He never changes his mind. And this is one of my favorite ones. He never takes back his promises. He's good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When the psalmist wrote that in Psalms 34, 8, he's not only inviting you to know that he's good, he's inviting you to experience that he's good. God allows us to not only observe him, but to experience him. He's merciful. God's mercy is inseparable from his justice. God is gracious. If mercy is getting what we don't deserve, then grace is getting what we don't deserve either. I mean, because grace is part of who God is, it's not just an action that he bestows. It means that we can trust his grace is eternal. His grace is something that we could never earn. Joshua 1, nine. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. For the Lord, your God, will be with you wherever you go. Now, we've discussed who he is. Let's discuss what you need to know about who you are in Christ. Even if you don't know who you are, the enemy does. The enemy already knows that we are victorious. He knows that all power and authority has been given to us in the name of Jesus. And he knows that he can form the weapons, but they cannot prosper. And he knows if God is for us, he cannot be against us. How terrible will it be for the enemy to know all of these things and you not? Romans 8, verses 14 through 16. For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you would live in fear again. 
Rather, the spirit you receive brought you about your adoption to sonship. And we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Guys, I know how I look at my kids. I am blessed with four beautiful, but spoiled, children. I love them dearly. Guys, I don't look at one of them any differently than I do the other. Many of you guys know I have three biological kids and I have one adopted child. I never look at my adopted child differently than I look at my other three kids. Now, we've always been very open about adoption. and Some people don't understand that. But I celebrate the life that God promised my husband and I when we were first married that he was going to give us. We celebrate that. Now, we paid some adoption fees, and we took a lot of classes, and we had to jump through a lot of hoops for our son's adoption. It was so difficult that we even threw a party when it was done to celebrate that adoption. But guys, none of that, not one ounce of that can compare with what God went through and the sacrifice that he made for your adoption You see, he had a plan all along, and he gave the most valued item he had to adopt you. He gave you, he gave his son's life for you to be adopted. You need to embrace the concept of the love and the importance that you have for God. That's why the enemy's after you. And you know what? He went through it all for you. You have been adopted into the heirship of the God Almighty. You are a child of God bought by the blood of Jesus. And on that cross, Jesus Christ deactivated, dismantled, and disarmed the Satan's rule over sin and death. And he gave the ultimate authority to his son. And he has placed all things in subject to Jesus. Now let's listen to this. Luke 10, 19. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Jesus has already released us from the strongholds of sin and destruction. We are no longer slaves to darkness. Therefore, we do not need to live in bondage. Satan has no authority. No power over a born-again believer who has aligned himself with the covering and the risenness of our exalted Savior. In these details of battle, we need to know everything that we've been equipped with. Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of the evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. With the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
and your feet shotted, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And in addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which comes from God. Guys, we have been given things to equip us. How about the belt of truth? John fourteen six says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You need to gird yourself up with the truth of God. Do not gird yourself up with your feelings. I know my feelings change about 17 times a day. Bless my poor husband's heart. They do. They just ebb and flow. They change. You need to know that God is truth, and he wants to show you the way. God is never chaos. He is never confusion, but he is only truth. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Guys, this is the Christian's bulletproof vest. This bulletproof vest protects us from the enemy's attacks. We need the gospel of peace. That peace puts leather between the jagged stones of fear and doubt. The word says, the peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Don't let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. The shield of faith. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flames of the arrows of the evil one. Helmet of salvation. Romans 12:2. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, the battle is won or lost in our minds. The sword of the Spirit, which we all know is the word of God. We can not only defend ourselves with the word, but we can be offensive with the word. We can. We can offend. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. There's one more thing we need to talk about when the importance of the details. We need to be refreshed when we go into battle. Remember that word I was talking about that Rob Glass was talking about a while ago? What exactly does that mean, to be refreshed? Rob and I had a really nice conversation Wednesday night out in the foyer. We need to rest. Our bodies, our minds, our spirits, we need to rest. Uh, my kids have all, at one point in time, played organized sports. Trey played football for six years. Um, and on Friday nights, we would tell him, you leave everything you got out on that field. And he did. And he'd come off smelling oh so bad. And even though he was my son, I'd hug him up. He would come off with cuts from other people's cleats. He would have bruises on his body. How well do you think it would have been if I had patted him and his teammates on the back and said, Great job, boys. Now the next bus is pulling up. Get back out there and let's do it again. They had nothing left. They'd given everything that they had for that battle. Guys, I want you to think about your past week. I want you to think about this past year. We've not rested. Busyness of life. 
fear. We've not rested in who God is. We've not taken time to rest our bodies. He, the enemy, is using our busyness to distract us and never allow us to be refreshed. Many of us never take a Sabbath or rest. Believe it or not, there's even a scripture in the Bible about that. Before we can be effective to go into battle, we need to rest. We need the strength that only comes from the Lord. We can't get strength from busyness. We can't get strength from helping the neighbor. We can't, we can't help ourselves or anyone else unless we rest. Now I want to talk about how do we battle. How do we do that? Well, I want us to go to the scriptures to talk about that. And so I want you to go ahead and turn to Judges 7. And I'm going to kind of set the stage for what's going on. Now, Gideon lived in the time the Israelites were doing great evil. And the Midianites were oppressing the Israelites. And Gideon was called by God to go with the strength that you have and rescue the Israel from the Midianites. He said, I'm sending you. And Gideon also heard, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as you were fighting against one man. So Gideon and his army, they prepare. And they had roughly about 32,000 soldiers. And the Lord tells Gideon, there are too many of you. Because if you win, you're going to take the glory. So Gideon goes out to the soldiers and he asks them, whoever's fearful, I would like you to go home. And he sent them packing. 22,000 of them left and that left him about 10,000 soldiers. The Lord then told Gideon, there are still too many of you. I'd have been like, what? But he listened and he obeyed. So Gideon takes them down to the water, and the Lord told him to divide the men into two groups. In one group, place the men who cup water with their hands and lap it with their tongue like a dog. Then place the other group with the men who kneel and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank with their hands. And the Lord told Gideon, that with those 300 men, that he would rescue them and give them victory over the Midianites. So the Lord tells Gideon, get up, go down to the camp, because I'm going to give it into your hands. And then this just like the Lord, he said, if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Pura, and listen to what they're saying. And afterwards, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. God is not angry When sometimes we're fearful. Remember, he created us. That's the accuser that's speaking to you. The Lord is coming to encourage you and send you a word. So Gideon and his servants get up and they go down to the camp. And the Bible describes the number of the enemy soldiers as many as the sands of the seashore. And Gideon starts listening to a conversation of two soldiers in the tent, and they were discussing a dream that one of them had. And the Midianite soldier knew the interpretation of that dream meant that God was delivering the enemy, the Midianites, into Gideon and his soldiers' hands. 
So let's pick up in Judges 7, verses 15 and 22. Now Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, and he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets, empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow the trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow your trumpets and shout, For the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp and at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hand. The 300 company blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their hands and holding in their right hands the trumpet that they were to blow. And they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position around the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. When the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. We're going to stop our reading there. Now, we know Gideon started out at the beginning of that passage scared. Gideon's 300 soldiers were going up to against 135 Midianites. For all you math minds out there, that's 450 to 1. Those are not good numbers. And numbers don't lie. I want you all to hear this, though. That was a physical problem. Physical problems are symptoms of real problems of spiritual warfare. I want that to sink in one more time. Physical problems are just symptoms of a real problem of spiritual warfare. If you look at the battle we're fighting, we can lose our confidence, just like Gideon lost his confidence going into that battle. He had a lack of security. But God knew Gideon was struggling with his confidence and his security, even though God had already made him promises. We struggle, too, even though the Lord has spoken promises to us. God's not angry with Gideon, and he's not angry with us when we struggle. God, with his grace and his mercy, speaks to Gideon and tells him if he's afraid to go down and listen to what they're saying about him. Gideon was encouraged, but he did something that showed us how to battle. Now, we've laid a lot of groundwork, but I'm ready for you guys to find that happiness again, okay? Guys, he said he bowed down and worshipped. That's what Judges 7.15 says. If we want to battle, we have to start with worship. If you want to win, you're going to have to start with, battle, with worship. We're going to have to worship before the battle even begins. We're going to have to battle for victory on our knees. We're going to have to worship in impending danger before we ever know the outcome of the battle. You must shout with a battle cry. Before one sign of victory. 
You need to go boldly before the Father to worship him in spirit and truth. It doesn't matter who you are. We teach those kids over there all the time. It doesn't matter how old you are. If you're young or old, it doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are. Although I would like to add, we need some of you men to bow down and worship and forget about that manly appearance that you're worried about. Because you trying to be in all yourself have allowed the enemy to step into some of your houses. Too long we have worried about what other people think. And we need to get on our knees and start worshiping for a victory. You need to surrender all your ideas and all your plans. You need to lay down your your fear and doubts. Give the Lord your whole life, not a portion of it. You need to give your life in an act of obedience and honor to God who doesn't make mistakes. You need to worship the God who already has the most perfect plan, not only for you, but your family. Gideon told the Lord why he couldn't. He said, I can't do this. I can't lead these people into battle. I'm from the weakest tribe of Manassas, and I'm the least in my whole family. But isn't it just like the Lord to take the least and use it? God's plan was so much greater than Gideon's. And he used it, most, the most unlikely purpose, person, to accomplish that plan. If you want to win the battle, you must decide to start the battle on your knees in worship. We are going to have to battle with the word of God. We not only need our Bibles with us. We need the word of God in us. Carrying the word into battle, you already have the upper hand. The word is alive. We already have discussed its power and we discussed it us being equipped. But the word of God is so powerful that it can transform people from darkness to light. It can transform falsehoods to truth. And being deceived into being enlightened. Every time the word leads you through a trial or leads you out of temptation, it demonstrates the power to cut through satanic forces. And when someone comes to salvation, it shows the power is cut through Satan's dominion. We watch watch the word of God that it's living, lead people from eternal hell to eternity and salvation. Deuteronomy 24 says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemy to give you victory. John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. Oh, But take heart, I've already overcome the world. You are already victorious. The word is filled with promises. And God didn't just hand them to you. But he did put them within your reach. He not only gave us the opportunity to learn about him. But we actually get to experience him. Get to taste him. 
We must commune with God to experience these promises. We have the privilege to walk it and claim it. An example of that would be in Joshua 1, when God told Joshua that everywhere his foot was placed, the land was theirs. But the land was already theirs. They just had to claim it. You must place your foot on it to claim it, to experience it. The Israelites spent a lot of their time in a little part of Canaan instead of the whole land because they were scared of the enemy, which just happened to be giants. And they feared what it might take to conquer those enemies. What would happen if you weren't scared to stand on the promises of God that you already have? I want us to go back and I want us to look at Gideon and his 300 soldiers. The soldiers knew that Gideon was insecure and scared. Then everything changed when he heard a word from the Lord. He received the word to go down to the camp and listen to the enemy and say and hear what they were saying about him. Have you ever wondered what the enemy says about you? Might change your battle. When Gideon returned, he returned with his shoulders puffed out. He found some confidence after hearing the word of the Lord and obeying him. The soldiers' attitudes changed when Gideon returned and was confident. Stand on the authority of God's word. Believe in who God is and his authority. You have to remember, Gideon and the warriors did not know what that outcome was going to be. I'm math-minded. So when I hear that 450 to 1, that's a little scary to me. But the difference was they had a word from the Lord. They chose to stand on the word of the Lord. Now, we've talked about, um, it, you know, the importance of the battle, I mean, how to battle. So we've talked about we've got to worship and we have to have the word, but we've got to pray. Last week when I was preparing this message, I read that prayer is like bringing a gun to a knife fight. I like those odds. There are reasons the enemy wants to keep you from engaging in prayer. When we pray, the enemy's defeated. If God is for us, who could be against us? When we are surrendered to the Lord in prayer, we are standing in victory. Christ Jesus has already won the ultimate battle when he died at Calvary. When we pray, we are saying, Lord, we completely rely on you. Now, we talked about Ephesians 6, the things that we were equipped with, but the very next passage explains to us that we have to pray. We must rely and surrender on the Lord for us to be able to war. Ephesians 6, 18 says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Guys, we should be praying for perseverance. For strength to keep going, not to quit. We should be praying for wisdom. We need to pray for not only ourselves, but other people in the body of Christ. How many knows right now that Pastor Melissa really needs us praying for her? Your prayer doesn't need to be some eloquently written passage. 
It just needs to be real and raw right from your heart. It just needs to flow out. Let us not forget what the word says about praying in the spirit. I am so thankful for the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. Have you ever been there where you just didn't know what to pray or how to pray? When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he intercedes through us. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, he counsels and comforts us. Let us not forget that power that rises up within us when we are battling a spiritual battle. Now, we've discussed worship and we've discussed um, the word and prayer. But I want to leave you with one last scripture. And we're going to talk about God's way. Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 10. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I just want to be real for a minute. Can you imagine Gideon soldiers? I know I'm kind of making it a little bit more modern, but they were given a trumpet, a mason jar, and a candle. I don't know about you, but I'm still hung on that 450 to 1. I'd be thinking about that large number. And also be thinking about what I'd just been handed to go down in battle. And I'd have been like, seriously, Gideon. I mean, I don't know that I would have been brave enough to, like, vocalize that to him. But in my mind, I would be, you have got to be kidding me. But it had to be supernatural that those soldiers, those 300 soldiers stood. 300 men divided up into three companies with a trumpet, a mason jar, and a candle. Follow my lead. When I get to the edge of the camp, do as I, exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp blow yours and shout, For the Lord and Gideon! That's how God works. When 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. Did you hear me? That's how our God works. God's ways are not your ways, and your thoughts are not his thoughts. Do not rationalize your ways to God's ways. That will make you disobedient. When God tells you to do something and it doesn't make sense and you rationalize it, you become disobedient. Many times, it doesn't make sense. And just like God's plan on the attack against the Midianites, it didn't make sense. There are some of you 
that have been trying to figure this out in your mind? And you can't. And there doesn't seem to be an answer. Can I tell you something? God's about to hand you a trumpet, a mason jar, and a candle. And if you start questioning his plan, you just cheated yourself out of a victory. You guys come back. Mm. Don't cheat yourself out of a victory. There's a battle going on. Somebody turn on their spiritual ears. We told kids to turn on their ears. Somebody turn on your spiritual ears. Do you hear it? There is a spiritual battle going on. And he wants me to remind you that he's sending a refreshing for you to battle. The Lord sent me today to tell you to prepare as a soldier prepares for battle. Do you hear it? We're under attack. The Lord sent me to tell you, press on and fight. He wants you to hear the battle is on and it's not time to stop. Listen. Do you hear it? Push through. Be strong. You're under attack. Guys, he's telling us to make a war cry. When Jana shared that day with me, the war cry part really stuck with my heart. I don't care that she's 21 years old. My baby was laying in a hospital and nobody knew what was going on. And when she told me that, I said, God, I don't even have strength to make a battle cry. He said, hold on. The hospital sent me home and wouldn't let me stay with her anymore. And that made me one mad mama. And I cried. Couldn't hardly talk almost the whole way from Waxahachie home. And my husband was being ever so patient with me. And I called my mama. And we were all praying in my driveway over over the speaker of the car. And God said, it's time to make your battle cry. And I did. And it didn't look pretty. I yelled at the enemy and I shouted and I rejoiced before I ever even knew that there was going to be an answer. I made a battle cry. God, somebody needs to make a battle cry today. Somebody, maybe you're not battling, needs to make a battle cry for Pastor Melissa. Guys, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. I have carried this weight for these weeks. And I have carried this weight this week trying to be what the Lord is calling me to be. To cleanse this vessel so that he could pour in and pour out. And my family has helped carry this. I've had people that's been praying for me. I was told to pray Psalms 91 over this church and over my family over and over and over and over again. So that's what we did. And Friday night, my family come over here in the dark. And I do not say this as a pat on the back. But we walked this property. We touched every door that would allow the enemy in. We touched every door facing and we prayed. 
We said, uh-uh, enemy, you got to let us go. And the Lord gave Mackenzie a word that I want her to share real quick before we pray. When we were going home after praying over the property, I felt like the Lord showed me that we were in the midst of a hurricane and we've been hit over and over and over and we're about to be in the eye of the hurricane and I don't know if y'all know what that means but in when there's a hurricane there's a part in the middle called the eye of the hurricane and it's peaceful there's no wind there's no waves there's no nothing and that's the refreshing that he's bringing us and we didn't know that this storm was coming but we're ready now we know what's coming God's bringing us a refreshing so we're going to be ready when the next side comes and so we need to get ready and fight and make our war cry guys these altars are open if you want a mask I'm not going to look at you straight I have a mask right over there but if you need a refreshing come on If you need to make a battle cry, come on. If you just need to kneel and worship, come on. But these altars are open. God, word after word after word has been spoke over this church. The battle's not over. But he sent me. Why me? I'm Gideon. I'm not anybody. But he sent me to tell you to prepare as a soldier would for battle. Guys, I'm tired. I'm tired of him hitting my family. I'm tired of him hitting our church. We got to stand and make a war cry. And this is how I find my battles. And this is how I find my battles. This is how I find my battles. And this is how I find my battles. 